You're listening to the preaching ministry of Redemption Bible Church in New Braunfels, Texas, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you seek to worship Christ, walk with Christ, and work for Christ, all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, please visit redemption.bible. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon at one of our upcoming worship services. Once you have your Bible, turn in your copy of God's Word to Psalm 118. Psalm 118, you'll find it right about in the smack middle of your Bible. And as you turn there, let me just ask this question. Are you convinced of God's goodness, redemption? Yeah. Are you convinced of God's goodness? And however you might answer that this morning, some of you are like audibly like, yes, I'm convinced of it. But however you might answer that, say like on a scale of 1 to 10, my prayer is that uh, you this morning and our church really collectively would, would grow more resolute in that conviction. And not just this morning, but really throughout this ministry year, as we uh, come to this uh, anniversary of our launch, this really begins our, our new ministry uh, year that follows the school year. And this, uh, this year, I really want us to focus in on this defining characteristic of our God or His, his goodness. And His goodness uh, alongside His holiness and His sovereignty and His greatness and His love and many other attributes, uh, uh, you know, the fact that He is good combined with all these attributes make God trustworthy. They make him trustworthy that no matter where we are, who we are, what is happening in our life, that when God speaks, we listen. And when he leads, we go. The heroes of our faith were convinced of his goodness and took the gospel across the globe so others would hear it. The people you look up to are convinced of this, and it is what keeps them steadfast in the faith. And the people that we read about or have written things in the Bible were convinced about his goodness and wrote about it for us. And this is what we find in Psalm 118, a fantastic psalm, a psalm that I come back to time and time again with this theme of the goodness of God. Now, hopefully you found it in your Bible. I'm going to read it here for us. You can just follow along as uh, I read it here for us. Psalm 118, it says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling But the Lord helped me. 
The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God. And I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Here it is again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is God's word for God's people. Notice the bookends to this chapter. How the psalm begins and both ends with this repeated phrase, acting like a hug, like two arms wrapped around everything else and holding it together is this very straightforward command and reason why, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Say it with me, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, that last part of the phrase, just a few weeks ago, as I came off sabbatical, we uh, took a dive into our Old Testament as to the, uh, why this is the anthem of our faith, his steadfast love enduring forever. But this morning, as we celebrate six years as a church, I want us to focus on the first two parts. And it's pretty straightforward for us, is it not? Both the what and the why. What are we to do? Give thanks to the Lord, right? And why should we give thanks? For he is good. And it, it's, it's very straightforward. It doesn't take rocket science, but I want us to go deeper into this and our understanding of it. And so before we proceed, maybe we, we should come to a conclusion on what does God's goodness mean? For to say, for he is good. How would we define that? For there are many definitions of what is good, but it is God himself who is the final standard. Wayne Grudem is a theologian who's a lot smarter than me, and probably not you, but he is a very smart guy, written many books on theology, and he would define God's goodness this way. It's on the screen here, so you can see it. The goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good. And that all that God is and does is worthy of approval, end quote. Now, who is the standard of what is good? 
God is. Not me, not you, not our society, not politicians, no human. God is the standard of good. Therefore, what he is and does and says in his word is worthy then of our approval. Or we could say then, like I said earlier, it is why then he is trustworthy. Why he is trustworthy. And I think as we desire to grow as just people who follow the Lord in living a life of gratitude and understanding his goodness and seeing it in all the various circumstances in our life, I think then uh, this morning I would love for us to look then at two other things. When should we give thanks and how can we then cultivate a heart of gratitude? And so the what and the why very straightforward, but let's then look at the when we should give thanks, and particularly when it is hard to do so, and how we can give thanks. And so let's start with then the when. When should we give thanks? Always. First Thessalonians 5.18 tells us that very thing. Here it is on the screen. Paul writing to this church, he says, give thanks in all circumstances, not sometimes, not just when you feel it, not when things are, are going well for you, but give thanks in all circumstances. And here's the kicker, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for everybody else. No, for you, for me, for each of us. And so when we couple this or uh, combine this command to give thanks with the previous two, to rejoice always and to pray without ceasing and to give thanks, we can then say, this is God's will for you in every circumstance. That concept, the will of God, things that we, you know, what should we do? What is God's will in this uh, relationship? What is God's will in uh, my business? What is God's will uh, in, uh, in my parenting? And well, here, here it is very straightforward for what we uh, should do in honoring and living a life of following the Lord is to give thanks in everything, in every circumstance, everything, yes. Yes, look at your neighbor say, in every circumstance, right? In every circumstance, we are to give thanks. And that's what I love about Psalm 118, because even as I read it, what he is doing here, the writer, likely King David, maybe it's somebody else, likely King David, though, as he is writing this, he is giving us six different circumstances in which to give thanks, because he is good, even in these circumstances, we can give thanks. And so just think about this in Psalm 118. Uh, we'll begin in verse 5. As we can give thanks even when I'm distressed. You can write this down there in your, your notes. But did you notice that? He begins, I'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then this uh, repetition of his uh, steadfast love enduring forever. And then in verse 5, he talks about being distressed. These, even in our stress, when we're feeling squeezed, when, we, uh, when we're asking that question, God, where is your goodness in this? I'm anxious about where the next uh, 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 paycheck is going to come from. I'm distressed about this relationship. I'm distressed about whatever it is that's going on in your life. Even in these moments, we can give thanks. Even in these moments, God is good. Why? Well, look what it says twice. The Lord is on my side. The Lord is on my side, verse 7, as my helper. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament, it tells us who that helper is. It is the Holy Spirit that as God's children who've been uh, saved, we now have the Holy Spirit living in us, helping us. The goodness 
in our distress is God's nearness. Even when it is hard. Even when we are hurting, we know most acutely, even in those moments, that his nearness is our good. That this may be hard, but at least I'm not alone. A God in his mercy, God in his grace is so good to be at my side. To be with me through the distress of life. So much so, in the next few verses, we can give thanks for God's goodness as we're safe in his refuge. We're safe in his, his arms, right? Where we know that we have hope in him, not in man, not in princes. You know, to use our vernacular, our, our hope is not our refuge. Our hope for a prosperous future is not in our government, is not in relationships, but it is in the Lord. Our ultimate hope is in it. Now, that doesn't mean we're anti-political. That doesn't mean we don't be involved. That doesn't mean we avoid all relationships. That's not what I'm saying. But who, in whom, church, is our ultimate hope? In whom do we take refuge? In the Lord. In the Lord. And we know he is good. We are safe in him. And therefore, we can give thanks. We can give thanks. We can see his goodness. We can give thanks when we are surrounded and pushed hard. Look at the next section here. What is repeated in verses 10 uh, through uh, 12? We're being surrounded, right? Nations are surrounding him. They're, they're surrounding him on every side, surrounding like swarming like bees. Has anybody ever gotten themselves hung up in like a beehive and been surrounded and swarmed by the buzzing and stinging of bees? Unpleasant, or so I'm told. I've not been in it. But an unpleasant place, so much, he says, I was pushed hard, verse 13, on every side. And now you may not be in a place where you're surrounded by, uh, you know, by warring nations or, or, or warring bees, but maybe you're surrounded and pushed hard by an overcrowded schedule, by bills stacking up, by looming deadlines in your schoolwork or your, or, or your workplace, and you're surrounded and pushed hard without any way of escape or so it seems. Where is God's goodness in these moments? And how verse 13 ends. In knowing the trustworthiness of God to help us. That even in these moments where Christ comes to the rescue and saves us out of it. Which is another reason to give thanks for his goodness for our salvation. You see it in verse 14 then? It almost like bounces back and forth thanking God for his goodness in the difficulties and thanking God for his goodness in, in the times of prosperity and particularly in times of, uh, of salvation. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. We thank him for it so much though so that we sing to him. He says, glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. Now we're not meeting in a tent this morning, but what have we sung about this morning? 
righteousness of Christ, his goodness uh, towards us, his salvation uh, to come and rescue us out of our sin. We give him thanks for his goodness on an ongoing basis. And if you're walking with the Lord and have trusted Christ as your Savior, this isn't just something that we do in the past, but it is something that we rehearse daily. Waking up in the morning, telling God, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you that you are my strength and my song today, that I don't have to muster up some sort of inner strength or inner gladness to sing, but you, Christ, are the one who enables it. You are the one who gives words to uh, my strength and my song. You are my salvation. And as we meet the day, as we meet the moments, as we meet the circumstances, we see God's goodness to save us and the big things, and we know He will carry us through the hard things. God is so good. We thank Him for saving us. But we can also thank Him when I'm being disciplined. For God's goodness to discipline us in our sin. Now that might seem counterintuitive. You're like, whoa, 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 how is this good? In these, in, 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 especially when, it's like he says in verse 18, when the Lord's discipline is severe. Hebrews 12, verse 6, we're told that God disciplines those whom he loves. And if you are being disciplined uh, today, whether through the conviction of the Holy Spirit about some sin in your life, or you've been uh, uh, confronted by the loving accountability of brothers and sisters, or your wife, or your kids about some sinful patterns or things in your life, this is God's goodness to you. One, proving your salvation. God disciplines those he loves. And so you're, if you're uh, disciplined through the conviction or the accountability of his word or his people here, note this, it should gladden you because it, it should prove you are saved. And it is, it is working out and part of our sanctification that God loves us enough to say the hard things. God loves us enough to not leave us in our sinfulness that is offensive to him and hurtful to others, but rather to help us grow in God godliness and in goodness like the Lord as we live our lives. That's why we can tell God, thank you for your goodness, even as I am being disciplined, even as I am uh, uh, growing in faith that these are your deeds. I can recount with joy, even in the painful moments of consequences, even if they are things that have happened uh, years ago, and the consequences are still being played out in relationships or in your limitations in your life. These are the moments that God shows up, exposing our limits, exposing our failures, exposing uh, our inability, and that casts us onto the Lord, not into our own strength, not into our own power, but into God who is providentially working all things out for our good. See, that's the final point. We can give thanks to God for his goodness in all his providential workings, in the ways that he comes through in our life. Look at verse 19, where we pray and ask God, God, oh, would you open a door, right? Open a door that I would know where to go. In verse 19 here in Old Testament times, you know, there's open the gates, all right. In an agrarian study, open the gates into the city or gates into the field, but rather open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through. 
that we would come into his presence, that we would know his will, that we would know how he is sovereignly or providentially orchestrating all the details of our life, that we would worship him. Even in the hard moments, even through rejection, even through failure, for all things he is working out for his good. Even what man means for evil, God what? Means for good. Genesis 50 verse 20. Even to the point of the sending of our Savior, the Messiah. You see that in verse 22? Church, who is the stone that the builders rejected that became the cornerstone? It was Christ that through the rejection of the people of that day, the Jewish leaders, the Jewish people, rejecting him as the king, as the Messiah, that all under God's providential, glorious working, this is, this is his doing. It's marvelous in our eyes as we think about it. Here prophesied many, 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 many years before Christ actually came physically on the scene. He was the stone that the builders rejected. Now has become the very cornerstone, the measuring stick, the, 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 the stone upon which the whole house of our faith is built. The one that the builders just cast off into the rubble pile is now the one that is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone of our faith. And only God in all of his wisdom and all of his sovereignty and all of his providential working could do something so glorious. And if God can do that before the foundation of the world, if he can set these things in motion and work through our, our, uh, uh, the, the good and the bad times, You can trust him to be good no matter what you're walking through, no matter what doors you are looking for him to open, no matter what rejection or difficulty you too may be facing, but rather we can be confident that in everything, in everything, he is working it out for his glory and our good. So we think just very specifically about how God was at work in our own church, just in this last year. I mean, if we were to zoom out and just see all the lives transformed and the things that he has done in and through and out from our church, we would have much to give thanks for. But even in this past year, he's done so much good. And that's why I love anniversaries like this, where we just pause annually to reflect on what God has done in the year past. And to reflect on God's goodness. It's like those Old Testament uh, uh, festivals that God gave. Why did they celebrate the Passover annually and the Feast of Booths? To remember God's goodness in the past and to give them strength uh, uh, and uh, galvanize their faith as they walk into uh, the days ahead. And God has been at work making, maturing, and multiplying disciples, you and me, uh, in this past year. Disciples have been made. Here's just a few examples to give thanks for God. Disciples have been made as we've had many people baptized, professing faith from kids to adults in our church, now walking uh, with Christ. Praise God for that. We've had uh, you know, a number of babies born. Right? You guys taking the uh, command to be fruitful and multiply seriously around here. And I think it's like 12 or 13 babies born amongst our church just since uh, last October and two born this last week, right, in, uh, in our church. Praise God for, for that, right? Amen. 
disciples, believers being matured in our faith over and over and over again as we uh, last fall walked through the one another series, those uh, one another's in the New Testament that guide our community, that set uh, the the church and the following of Jesus apart, and and it matured our community and became a winsome witness to to the people around us. We, we grew and matured through the uh, preaching of the opening chapters of John's gospel, becoming more resolute in our belief that Jesus is who he says he is and having life in his name, and, and uh, many men in our church being matured to handle God's word and preaching over this last year. Many of you walking this summer through those uh, uh, summer studies and uh, growing in your and being equipped in your understanding of God's word uh, for yourself and how to understand and how to interpret and how to apply it. As we uh, uh, released multiple episodes of Consider It, teaching ministry of our church, as you are asking these questions about how do my life circumstances intersect with the gospel and what does God's word have to say about this? We've been matured in our study, but we've also been multiplied as we have new leaders uh, uh, leading in ministry teams and taking on more spiritual responsibility as we have new small groups in new neighborhoods uh, across our town and As our church grows and our staff multiplies and we're in the final stages of hiring a director of family ministries and our top candidate will come in in a few weeks as we nail down the exact date as the finals kind of staff or point in hiring him as a staff person. Just continuing to multiply, continuing to grow. We sent out Pastor Cade and his family, the Hennessys, last spring. So he now leads Vertical Life Church in Houston, and we're coaching Matt and planting this church in, in, uh, in Matt and his family in Magnolia, Hill City Church. And as we prayed for and we're sending out the Bobels today, even to Northern Ireland, God is doing a phenomenal work, and on and on we could go, and all praise and thanks be to God, right? As we look at our own lives, as we look at around our church, we don't have to look far for reasons to tell God, thank you. And I get it. These are the exciting moments, right? These are the moments that, uh, that, that we, are, we can easily see and tell God, thank you. But maybe you're asking, yeah, but, but it's still hard. It's still distressing. It's still, I still feel surrounded. I'm still stung by bees doesn't seem like maybe growth is happening or we're just stuck in this cycle or this pattern in church. Let me just tell you, it is a tactic of the enemy to get us to doubt his goodness when we're restless, when we're waiting, when we are impatient here. It is the, the enemy loves to push on these desires in our heart that erupt into demands of God and of others. See, we have this desire. We, we want life to be easier. We get restless. We get antsy in these moments. And we think to ourselves, like, why is this so hard? Doesn't God want my life to be easy? Well, it's in the moments of grief and struggle and difficulty where God shows us really how good he is. And you you ask, well, how can this hardship be good and we're clouded or the reality is clouded that distorts what we know about God, even when we can't see clearly in the moment, when we can't see clearly through the tears or through the confusion. 
or the enemy gets us to doubt in the moments of nostalgia where we want life to be like the good old days, where God in his kindness, where there was a sweet season of abundance or prosperity, and, and we think to ourselves, well, why did things have to change? Why did things have to be like this now? And we have these expectations about how life should be, and it's not like it once was. Then now we're disappointed, and if that's unchecked, then bitterness takes root, and if that is unchecked, then we start heading away from the Lord. The moments when we're restless and we want our desires met now. Instantly. We think to ourselves, I want it now, and if I don't get it now, then you don't love me at all. That impatience just festers in our heart, and it is uh, uh, accentuated by the demanding, consumer-driven culture in which we live. I want to pull up to the drive-thru, and I want my food handed out to me before I order it. God says, wait a moment. I have something better for you. Hold on. We just want to be right, and maybe we're not so bold as to say it, but we think it. Well, God, I know better than you, and this is not what I would want or to do. And yet, even in those moments where the enemy is pushing on these things and, and, and stirring us up in our restlessness, it is God there in these moments expanding our understanding of what is truly good, good by God's definition, where God is re-clarifying for us uh, our purpose to glorify Him, where He is re-solidifying our conviction in His goodness in everything. And so in these moments, when it is hard, or even when it is good, how do we fight back? How do we give thanks to God? How do we cultivate a heart of gratitude? How do we cultivate, if our hearts are like a garden, how do we cultivate? What can we put into practice so that it is thankfulness or gratitude that grows in our life? We know that the when, we're to give thanks in all circumstances, but how then? How do we cultivate a grateful heart? Well, I talk to our staff. These are, this isn't an exhaustive list. We just uh, put these before you as some ways that you can maybe put into practice in order to cultivate a grateful heart. Here's the first one is just to make time for reflection. To make time in your life, in your schedule, times to reflect, to reflect first on the gospel, like I said earlier, to just be rehearsing the good news that Jesus saves sinners, to wake up in the morning acknowledging, yes, I am sinful, and apart from your grace, God, today, I can't do anything, to rehearse uh, in the moments of our life what verse 28 says, You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. And to just make time, uh, deliberate time for deep thinking, not just scrolling consumption. And I think we've lost this in uh, in our social media driven world. We're in the moments that we have after we finish a meeting or before we transition to, you know, out of work to a home or, uh, or school to home or whatever it is, instead of taking time for just some deep thought to process 
to think through what God has done and is doing in those moments, we just turn to going to our phone, checking something online, to just entertaining ourselves and just consuming instead of cultivating times of reflection in our life. And I think if we were to slow down, ask God in these moments, whether it's two minutes, 20 minutes, two hours, we would begin to be more grateful and to see the things that God is doing in our lives in those moments. Like it, if we want to cultivate a grateful heart, here's another uh, option for you is to make time for meditation. Biblical meditation, that is. Like Psalm 1, verse 2, where it says that the blessed man meditates day and night on God's word. It, it's not like, like uh, when we use meditation now, like emptying our minds and humming and things like that. No, no, that's not biblical meditation. When you see this, it is actually a filling of our mind, a filling of our mind with the good things of God, the filling of our mind with the truth, with the, with the word of God, beginning in the mornings of studying just side of time for uh, not checking our phone, not doing anything else, not to even going through our to-do list for the day, but starting our day meditating on the holiness of God, the goodness of God, some other attribute, thinking deeply about the things in the Word of God and then ending our day, if you can, in the same way and just throughout the day making time for both reflection and meditation. But here's another option if you want to cultivate a grateful heart is just to record God's work, to um, keep a record of what he is doing so that you can, like uh, it's said in Psalm 118, to recount his deeds. Remember years ago as I was in high school, uh, working at a summer camp, and the theme that summer was X-Files. Do you remember that old show? Somewhere else, yeah, I binge watch it, you know, all the time. There's that show, X-Files, and now like camps do, you know, they kind of take themes and shows like that, and they kind of Christianize them. And so that uh, summer, that theme, X-Files, was really meant to get us to uh, become more cognizant and aware of how God was at work and to file it away and to talk about it and to see how he was at work and the people around us and in our own life and then to share it. They're not just file it away, you know, in a drawer over here, but then to actually uh, share it. And that was a very uh, 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 meaningful time in my life, setting me up to thinking about and uh, keeping record of God's work in, in my own life. We, uh, in our family, now we have a gratitude journal. We were to invite you over for dinner. We'd likely invite you into it. But in the Cushman household, before uh, we uh, can eat our food, sometimes we forget and sneak a few bites and things before we pray. But what do we have to write down, Gemma? That's right. We write down one thing we're thankful for. And it could be as simple as I'm thankful for mom's spaghetti today. Or maybe something else more significant or something. But we've just formed this uh, a habit in our life. And however that looks in your life, it is just such a good thing for our heart to both in the moment and to look back on the ways that God has been so good to us. Maybe that's uh, too much. And maybe you just need, here's another option, to have some gratitude checkpoints throughout the day. To with your friends or your spouse or with your children to just talk, hey, what's been the best part about your day? 
and just stopping that. Not, and not even like highs and lows. You can do that, but we're, we're pretty good at talking about the low parts or the hard parts about our day. But just asking, hey, what was the best part about your day? What is something you can give thanks? And just having a checkpoint. Maybe it's at night. Maybe it's throughout the day. Maybe it's through an intentional text uh, throughout the day. Is just to have these checkpoints to stop and to think and to just re-anchor our heart in the goodness of God so that we give thanks. But lastly here, if we really want to cultivate a grateful heart, then I would say let us intentionally pray something like Acts. An acronym, not the book of Acts, although you could do that. But maybe you're familiar with this acronym. Prayers that kind of follow this uh, form of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Of adoring God for who He is. Of confessing our sins and asking Him for forgiveness. And then thanking Him for His goodness and His steadfast love. And then ending with uh, our requests and the things that we need from the Lord. And as we do this, as we set these intentional times of seeking the Lord, of thanking Him, you'll begin to see that gratitude is growing in increasing measure in your life, in every circumstance, in both the good and the hard. Now, redemption, let me ask you again. Are you convinced of His goodness? Pray that you are, and hopefully even in our moments together here in this psalm, you've grown even a few degrees in your gratitude.